Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No, no, I'm upset. I'm upset because I listened to the podcast with you and Isaiah, and I'm listening. I'm sitting there listening. Isaiah Thomas talking about how he learned and how the, the Lakers and, and 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 the Pistons and Boston. Now, one time did he mention Philly, and I know you know about Philly. We, you know, the battles you had with Philadelphia those three years. I was at the championship series when you guys. I signed my contract the day that Magic became Kareem that day. In fact, I was in the hotel partying with y'all that night. You you don't remember, <laughs> you know. I, I remember, I remember, I, I remember Kareem's girl showed up with the, with the big ones that he was coming to all the games looking for. See. <laughs> Welcome to another edition, not another edition, but a new edition, the 24 <laughs> edition of Showtime with Coop. Insightful BS with my Laker teammates and NBA legends. And on the show today, we got one man, a guy that I respect and hate. You know that love hate like to do? I, I, I had this for him, but you know what? He was a friend uh, before we even got into that competition part. Earl Kirchner. Earl, how you doing today? I'm doing great, Coop. Doing great. Just just trying to keep up with you and the many jobs that you got, man. I was thinking before I got here, I said, is there anything this guy don't do? This guy do everything. <laughs> WNBA, My wife told me I got women's basketball. <laughs> Excuse me. Earl, okay, let's go back, okay? You want the, the listeners to get to know you a little bit. What was it like growing up from you, and where are you from, Earl? From Detroit, from the rough streets of Detroit. Grew up on the east side of Detroit here, and uh, born and raised, you know, college, high school, and pros right here in the city. Okay, who were some of your role models when you were coming up? The Iceman. You, you know about him, right? Yeah, they, Gervin? Oh, yeah, I, I know about that. I can think of role. I know about him. Iceman grew up in the neighborhood. Spencer Haywood grew up in the neighborhood. You know, um, it, it was a bunch of guys, and uh, Eric Money, Cornell Norman, had a bunch of pros that grew up right in my neighborhood, man. It's just incredible, the athletes we had out of Detroit. So you knew Spencer before he was a pro? I mean, you played. Yeah, Spencer you went play to high him? school in Detroit, right at Pershing High School. Oh, uh, okay. you know, Eric Money, Cornell Norman, all those guys were right around the corner from me. George Gervin went to Martin Luther King. You know, all those guys were right from right from the east side of Detroit. You know. uh, growing up with them, them guys, getting to talk to them. I mean, did you kind of rub shoulders with them? Yeah, you know, we we got this gym called St. Cecilia here in Detroit where we all met up at, you know, and uh, Dave Bing and them back in the day opened that place up, and we used to all meet up at St. Cecilia. You know, of course, Danny Roundfield, you know, and as the years went on, Derek Coleman. We are some of the best power forwards in the NBA to come right out of Detroit. 
Man, D.C., I saw him at the last uh, retired players thing. He did a seminar thing about uh, working mm -hmm. with AAU kids. D.C. was a fantastic player. I'm yeah, not big on left-handed players. So, yeah, he's got uh, a bunch you know. of uh, bunch of kids. He got, he's got one of the best summer leagues that's running right now. But uh, all those gay guys came right out of the city of Detroit. So, you know, Steve Smith, you know, there come Chris Weber, Jalen Rose. You know, we loaded with players up here in, this, in, in the city. And I thought basketball was only played out West, man. You know, we got a lot of West Coast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, Earl, uh, obviously coming up with them guys, man, crafting your game, sharpening your game, that old saying, iron sharpens iron. It gets you there. So you go away to college uh, and then you go go to Robert Morris, right? Exactly. Okay. Did you yeah. play two years or four years there? Played two years at Robert Morris. Uh, I went there. When I came out of high school, I was about six foot four. Uh, you know, that's, that's basically what this whole book is all about. All the turns and twists and everything I went through. You know, they call me the twirl, but that shit is true, you know, because I went through a whole lot. I was 6'4", didn't have any scholarships, anything coming out. And I went to Robert Morris as a junior college. Uh, you know, that first year I shot up uh, four inches, went to 6'8". Uh, then they went from a junior college to NCAA Division One the next year. Uh, so I ended up playing a year of Division One basketball with them. And, uh, you know, we played against some of the top teams in the country I played I knew Bird before anybody knew him I played against him my first year at Robert Morris College but after that then I transferred back home uh to the University of Detroit you know I came back and Dick Vitale was the coach at the University of Detroit at that particular time didn't take me out of high school but really went after me when I got up to six eight you know you you mentioned your book and we're gonna get into that a little later in the show but again that process that what they say turns us into NBA players. And you know what, Earl, the one thing I love about doing this is that my research on a lot of guys, because the only research I had on you is what you were scoring, what you were averaging, what, what play was going to be ran for you. But again, <laughs> getting to know one another even more so. Earl, I didn't know, okay, that you finished uh, uh, college. You were picked in 1979, the 58th player picked in the draft. Mm -hmm. Third at third round, Earl. I was drafted in the third round. I was the 60th player pick. <laughs> so I'm really hating on you now because you <laughs> before me. But what was that like when you got picked? Did you? I mean, did you aspire to be an NBA player, or I mean, were you ready? Man, for all all my life, even when I was in junior college and I was six four, I was talking about the NBA. You know, I had my Dr. J posters hanging up in the room at Robert Morris College and was dreaming about it. You know, I went on to University of Detroit where Terry Tyler and John Long were. Uh, both of those guys went in the draft right before uh, I came in. I played, I was one year with them, red shirt. Terry Durod was another player that went to the Boston Celtics. So we had four guys right at the University of Detroit that went into the NBA. Uh, yeah, I, I got drafted. I was uh, I was hoping that it was going to happen for me. Wasn't expecting, you know how the draft was back then. You know, we didn't have anything. I, I was working in a factory. Uh, when I got drafted, I was working on a midnight shift uh, when the draft came out, and the guy and who and who thing. told you? Who told you you got drafted? This guy came up to me and showed me in the paper. I didn't believe him. You know, he said, "Man, you got drafted by the six. I said, "Man, get the hell out of here." I kept working. You know, I kept on doing my gig. I went, I went back to the dorms, and uh, sure enough, you know, they had took me as a junior eligible. I had another year of college left, and they took me as a junior eligible. So I got drafted third round, but I had another year to go back to school. But uh, by this time, you six eight six nine then, right? Right. Yeah, I had had a good year. You know, me and Durai went to the tournament that year. You know, we knocked off Marquette, Oregon, you know, and Georgetown, knocked off some good teams and made it to the tournament. Because back then, 
you know, we were independent and, uh, you know, we weren't in a conference or anything. So we're on, on our again. schedule, how we got to the tournament. But I wasn't expecting to get drafted because I, you know, I was averaging a double-double. Uh, but, you know, my sophomore year, I averaged 17 and, and 10. And then, you know, coming to U of D, it dropped down playing with Durod to like 11 and 10. So I wasn't really expecting to go that high in the draft. You know what, Earl, you said something that's so significant to me is that you said that you were working when you got drafted. I was at the park. I was playing. It was like I was at the gym. And my cousin <laughs> came down, hey, uh, Michael, you got drafted by the Lakers, 50 player pick in the third round. And I was like, I said, man, get out of here. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, Jerry West is calling you. So <laughs> I know the feeling when you're not really thinking about it. I mean, you, no. you want it to happen, but you're not right. thinking about it. You're going on our everyday life. Uh, so Earl, you end up Sixers, but before I go to the, the teams, the couple of teams that you played for, give me two things that your parents told you or said to you that you st that still holds true to you today. Man, I mean, my parents pretty much just instill hard work. Uh, they didn't really realize, you know, my parents was from the South, you know, father from Georgia, mother from Sweetport, Louisiana. Mother was like 102, had me at 40 years old. They didn't really know what I was doing in terms of basketball. So they were always talking about getting a good job, you know, just raising me the right way, telling me, you know, how to take care of myself and what I needed to do and telling me to stay out of trouble, letting me know if I didn't do the right things, they weren't going to be there for me. Uh, so I, I guess the, the biggest thing they instilled in me was fear, you know, that I better stay on the right track <laughs> and I better, I better do what I need to do. So... Well, we all grew up with that, Earl. You know, yeah. you did something, Mrs. Smith got you, Mrs. James got you, Mrs. Thompson got you. When you exactly. got home, your mom and dad got you. So fear yeah. was part of our life. Maybe that's why we became a, bat a good basketball player. Oh, all no question about it. They, they, they put that in you, you know. So, Earl, you get drafted by the Sixers, but you go on and you play for the Pistons, the Bulls, the Clippers, the Hornets, the Rockets, and the Raptors. And which which one of those teams was your favorite team and why? Man, Philadelphia, you know, anytime, you know, the Philly was three great years. You know, I, I was just coming in, you know, a rookie, not getting a whole lot of playing time, not going. But, you know, anytime you play for a team to sweep the Lakers, you no, know, there's too many teams sweep the Lakers, you know? <laughs> oh, 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 oh. So, so you're about to get personal with this shit now. Okay. All right, go ahead and finish the story. See, and then we're going to put the gloves on. No, I'm upset. I'm upset because I listened to the podcast with you and Isaiah, and I'm listening. I'm sitting there listening. Isaiah Thomas talking about how he learned and how the, the Lakers and, and 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 the Pistons and Boston. Now, one time that he mentioned Philly, and I know you know about Philly. We, you know, the battles you had with Philadelphia. You know, the Andrew Tony battles you had. You know, Andrew was my that was my roommate when I came in. Those three years, I was at the championship series when you guys. I signed my contract the day that. Magic became Kareem that day. In fact, I was in the hotel partying with y'all that night. You you don't know, remember, you know. I, I remember, I remember, I, I remember Kareem's girl showed up with the, with the big ones that was coming to all the games looking for. Him. See, I was right there. <laughs> she was at every game. You know it. <laughs> You're listening to a new edition of Showtime with Coop. Uh, we're powered by Prize Pick. Hey, man, they're giving it to us. You bet, Earl. You're betting, man. You bet sometimes. 
Hey, once in a while, you know. Okay, well, you got to do it with prize kick. Hey, it's Nick from Showtime with Coop, and I've got something exciting to share with you all this week. If you're anything like me, you're always on the lookout for fun and simple ways to play da- daily fantasy sports. Let me tell you, you have to check out my new go-to place. That's Prize Picks. Seriously, this is the most fun I've had winning, playing fantasy sports and winning up to 25 times my money this football season. And here's how it works. You can select two or more players, like for instance, say Saquon Barkley uh, for more than 60 yards. Then, just pick more or less on their projected stats and submit your entry. It's that easy. And the best part? It's just you against the numbers. No pros, no sharks, no, no, no tricks, right? It's just you against the established numbers. Now, here's the cherry on top of the cake for you all. Go to pricepicks.com slash CLNS and use the code CLNS for a first-time deposit match up to $100. Yep, you heard that right, folks. Again, that's pricepicks.com slash CLNS. Use the code CLNS. And always remember, daily fantasy sports is made easy with prize pick. Every once in a while, I put it out there. I ain't got much, you know, so I'll be careful. <laughs> oh my God! Okay, so uh, all those teams you played for, man. Which which was your favorite team? You said the Sixers, right? No question. I mean, coming home to Detroit was good. You know, with Isaiah, you know, I was fortunate, man. I played with some great teams. You know, uh, coming back to Detroit, you know, I started the bad boys. You know, they were little boys when I got here. Benny and all those guys. You know, I played with Benny Mahorn and all them. They, you know, they they didn't know I had I had a championship. You know, I had swept the Lakers when I came here, so I, you know. Came to Detroit, so I <laughs> I came with a ring, you know. <laughs> so they, you know, they, they they was trying to learn how to, you know, how to win championships, and um, but so Detroit was great, but that Philadelphia team, sixty seven and seventeen, you know, I hear from Nick all the time, you know, knowing Mister Big, always talking about how if he hadn't got hurt, you know, stop telling and, our secrets, Earl. And, Don't nobody and, know about and, and Bobby Nine, Bobby Nine. I hear about Bobby Nine talking about how. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't go down. <laughs> See, I, you know, you know, Coop. But you know, the thing is, I love, I love the Lakers because when you talk about the Lakers, it's, it's no teams that won championships didn't have to go through the Lakers, man. The Sixers had to go through you guys. The Celtics had to go through you guys. The Pistons and then MJ had to go. The Lakers was a standard, man. You know, so I always, you know, a special place for that. That was the place to go to come into the forum. And play against those Lakers, man. I, you know, you guys had a hell of a dynasty going there. And then Irving you know being what? from Lance and watching him go. Thank up. you, Earl. But I really do believe the only reason you wanted to come to the forum was go up to the forum club after no, no, the game. No you never remember what goes on up there. No question. <laughs> but the, the crazy thing, you know, when they used to call them timeouts, man, coach didn't have a chance. You know, we was looking at the Lakers. Like, <laughs> hey, we, no, nobody, <laughs> nobody saw what was happening. <laughs> In the huddles, man. <laughs> so everybody was focused on them Laker girls, man. Paul Abdul, come on, you kidding me? Yeah, <laughs> and, and that's so, they were more popular than anything. Y'all had the main ones, boy. Jeez. <laughs> so when the great Lawrence Tanner said the Laker girls, you guys turn around and start. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got Earl Kirchner on the show. Earl, we're at the point of my show where I got what I call Coop's Lightning Round. I'm going to give you five names of players or people, and you tell me as much or as little about these guys, okay? Got you. First one, Isaiah Thomas. Man, before his time, you know, um, 
was driven, you know, wanted to win a championship, was talking about winning one way before. I mean, he felt it before it even happened. Uh, a serious competitor, uh, most fierce competitor, you know, I, I had seen in a long time to be a young guy, a leader at a young age, and, uh, you know, still a great friend of mine. In fact, he forwarded my book uh, that, you know, just, just a guy that's just on top of his game, not only basketball-wise, though. Isaiah is super intelligent. Uh, you know, he's going to give you the real rundown. I, you know, I was so impressed with him and Jim Jones. I was like, God, do I have the IQ to come on this show? You got, you know, Jim Jones was really great. And then you had Isaiah Thomas. I said, I better really bring it if I go on Coop's podcast because he got some guys on here that's, that's the real deal. And that's what Isaiah is on and off the basketball court. He's the real deal. Next, Chuck Daly. Class. You know, I was with Daddy Rich. Uh, you know, Daryl Dawkins named him Big Money Grip before he became Daddy Rich. See, I know the story behind these guys before they got their names. Chuck was my assistant coach in Philly uh, before he came to Detroit. So, you know, Daryl Dawkins called him Big Money Grip all the time, you know, because he didn't have no money back then. You know, he had an old <laughs> beat up Audi, you know, he used to drive around in. Always with Sharp, though. Sharp yeah. Dresser uh, was a player coach. Didn't have an ego. I think it was a huge thing for Chuck because Chuck knew how to hire people that could do the job. And he let people work the defense, work the offense, and he controlled the whole thing. He was a maestro behind the wheel. But Chuck, Chuck was a great guy, one of the best coaches I played for. Michael Jordan. Incredible. Um, the way he works, his work ethics was off the chain. I think his practices were were more difficult than game time for him. Uh, just wanted to compete on anything. You know, Mike would bet you when his bag is coming off, come off first off the off the conveyor belt. I mean, he just, he was a guy that wanted to win every single thing that he did. And he was competitive. And he brought that to practice every day. He brought that to the team every day. And you had to follow that lead. Uh, and it shows, you know, with those six championships. So Mike would be betting because back in those days, we didn't have what the guys had well, later on in the No, in the we had to wait for our bags to come off. We used to go. He would bet that his bag would come off first. His bag gonna come off first. And uh, how much would he bet you? Whatever you want to put up on the table with him, he, <laughs> he would bet you whether it's gonna come off. My bag's coming off before yours. I bet my bag. You know, that's that's how he was. He didn't want to lose at anything. You know, so he was a competitor. The great ones rarely do. The late great, and and this guy here became a good friend of mine, Moses Malone. Oh my God, man. I miss Moses so much, man. Yeah. You know, you know, Moses was like one of the game. Moses was a superstar, but you never would have knew Moses was a superstar. He was just one of the guys, man. I mean, he was just, you know, that guy that was always there and always, I mean, as soon as we hit a town, you know, Mo, Mo used to tell me, don't even take my bags upstairs. But we should be going to the club. Right? <laughs> you got to take, let, let, let them take your bags upstairs. Come on, let's go now. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> So Mo was always ready to go hang out. Didn't drink, didn't do anything, but he would love to go to the club, stand in, look around, you know, look at it and have a good time. Though that, that, that was that was my guy, man. Went hard working, beat Kareem up so bad, you know. I mean, you know, I idolized Kareem, watched Kareem play, but I, that series against Shaw, boy, he really put it on Kareem. I mean, he beat him up. We, we, we're gonna get to that, Earl. We're gonna get to that. But my yeah. last one is the another legend and player I love that's, that's gone too early, man. Uh, Kobe Bryant. Man, uh, I watched Kobe grow up. You know, his father played for the Sixers. I knew, you know, I knew Jelly Bean really well. Uh, you know, Chubby Cox. You know, me and him played a lot in the Baker League, and that was his. You know, that was his uncle, and uh, saw Kobe over in Italy when I went through Italy. Uh, you know, Joe Bryant was playing over there, and Kobe was. You know, a little boy over there didn't really know him as well, you know, as a player because he's a little bit younger. But 
I, you know, he was driven, you know, obviously he, you know, he followed the Michael Jordan playbook and uh, kind of took it to almost another level in what he was doing and just a fierce competitor and a winner. Okay, Earl. So you mentioned about how the Sixers swept the Lakers, but what you <laughs> got to say is we whooped that ass in 80. And you know what? <laughs> I would not have won in 83 had Bob McAdoo and Norm Nixon got hurt. And you oh, know I what? heard that. Had Moses Malone, who they let headbutt Kareem, he had his head down, headbutt Kareem the whole time out of the way. That's the only reason. Earl, hey, that Coop. you got the championship, because we would have we whipped y'all's ass then, too, Coop, man. let me tell you something. You know, if if a dog had a square ass and they see me, they shit bricks. <laughs> <laughs> no, but those are some epic battles, man. I remember, uh -huh. you know, the preparation for you guys, because, again, uh, what we had to do out west, but just to think of the teams you guys had to go through, Boston, mm -hmm. uh, the Bulls. Uh, you know, and then get there. And you guys have the talent. Well, that Milwaukee team back in the day, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks is, is unfortunate. Oh, you, yeah. I heard you talk about Bob on one of your shows. I mean, that Milwaukee team, man, I feel bad for them because they had a hell of a team that just never could get past Boston and us to, uh, to get to the finals. But that team was a great team with uh, Marcus Johnson and Sidney Moncrief and Bob Lanier, Mickey Johnson and Brian Winters and all those guys. They had a hell of a team down there. They never made it. So, Earl, I think you owe me uh, – uh, a, a little debt of gratitude. Just say, Coop, thank you for letting me have a championship ring. Thank you for letting us have a championship. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, I always, I always mess with you about Andrew Tony because me and Andrew was roommates. Woo! And, uh, and, and, and the story behind the reason why I always mess with you because he didn't know who you were, right? You know, so we kept talking about, you know, the Lakers got this defensive specialist. You know, so Andrew, you know, Andrew didn't want to hear nothing about defense. You know, they got a defense specialist. They got a guy. Don't lie. And so Andrew told me, who, he asked me, who's the defense specialist they got? Who, who? I said, I said, Michael Cooper, man. I said, you don't know about Cooper. I said, Cooper, lock your ass up, man. I said, you know, defense specialist. He said, you see that? He said, that's the scoreboard. They don't say nothing about no damn defense. I said, all right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so when the game came, we played. I remember it was a television game. And he went out, I think he had 47 points that day on national. Like you said, you didn't get all of them, but you, you know, you you got your share of them. And he came after the game to me and he said, Man, what what, what, what a defensive specialist he was talking about. Where was he at? Was he out there tonight? <laughs> <laughs> you know what, Earl? I was getting ready to ask you to tell me your favorite NBA story, but you just told it to me. <laughs> you know what? And I'm gonna say something about him. Andrew Tony. You know, I always say Larry Bird was the toughest guy I had to guard. This guy was 1-8. I mean, if Bird was one, this guy was one. People forget about, they used to call that dude the Boston Strangler, man, because man. he could not be stopped, man. He, he gave the late, great Dennis Johnson problems, too. Man, he gave everybody problems. Me and Andrew used to ride to the games together. We was roommates on and off the road. We got out the car going into the spectrum. I said, Andrew, I said, what's your range, man? He said, shit, I just got the common range right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, my goodness gracious. Okay. Earl, um, Earl, your thoughts on the NBA today? Entertainment. Uh, you know, these guys, I mean, the rules have changed. You know, you know, the, the physicality has gone away from the game. Uh, you know, it's a new era of basketball. I mean, I respect it. It's, it, it's what it is. Uh, it's a different brand than what we played. And you know, we, we had you know, we can hand check, we can hit people, we could do all those things, but now it's wide open. Yet we still managed to score a lot of points despite all the rules that we had in. 
But now I think it's catered more to entertaining now. Even the arenas and everything you go to, there's so much going on during a basketball game. People barely watch the game now. You know, you got all kind of things happening in an arena right now. And, and the way these guys play the game is, is, is geared toward more of entertainment. We used to run the lanes. You know, like you said, Showtime, we run the dunk and get layups and, and nice passes. These guys, the three-point line is a magnet. The whole court is spread it. They run to the three-point line and they look to shoot threes and it's just a different brand of basketball. Uh, I'm not knocking it. You know, it's their thing. It's working for them. But, I, you know, I, I love our brand of basketball. I think the biggest difference is the rule changes and in the athleticism. I mean, they eliminated the back-to-the-basket post-up guys. You know, your 6'10s and 6'11 are more mobile. I think that's due to modern technology and the way these guys are growing and the skill level now. You know, big guys are learning how to do things that guards do. Hey, Earl, if there was one rule you could change, and I'm going to give you an example. I was with Kareem the other day. He's doing good, a lot better. Uh, I was with Kareem, and I asked him, I said, Cap, what rule would you change in the game today? He said, Coop, I would uh, 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 raise the rim uh, uh, to, what, 10, 10 feet to about 10, 10 and a half feet. Mm -hmm. what, what rule would you change if you could? Man, I kind of I, I agree with Kareem on that. Um... I would bring back some of the physicality, though, man. I just think that you can't – it's hard to guard anybody in this league right now. You're a defensive player. I mean, they'd fire you out in the first quarter now. You know, yeah, you can't put you in, you know. True. I mean, they want you know, things – and I played defense, too, the, the times, you know. I mean, you know, you was a, a major role player, a Hall of Fame role player to me. Uh, and I'm praying that, that you get in there because, I mean, Bobby Jones went in last year. And if Bobby Thank Jones you, went in, you know, I definitely a Michael Cooper deserved to be in, in the Hall of Fame. Uh, I mean, for what you did, you know, for the game and – you know, and, and the book is kind of geared around role players and heard you guys talk about, you You know, you need role players. You need guys that can come in. And I mean, you were a higher level role player than myself. But when you go down the line, you know, eighth, ninth and tenth guy, these guys right here, they make a contribution to help you win championships. And, uh, oh, for sure. you know, and, and it's a rough road. I tried to explain in this book, you know, the difficulties that we had to go through. You know, your Mike McGee's, your Larry Spriggs and all those guys that you played with. <laughs> You know, all those guys had to play a significant role for you guys to be able to get in practice, uh, you know, in the games when they got the opportunities to play. They, they became a valuable part of what you do out on, on the basketball court. So, yeah, I would love to see a little bit more, you know, physicality brought back to the game because, you know, now you now you, you can't you can't touch a guy. You know, you got a guard. Can you imagine guarding Kareem with just a forearm on his back? You know, <laughs> I mean, he was going for 30s every night when you were you holding him and beating him up. You know, now he might get 60 every night. So. Hey, uh, 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 um, uh, were you on the the, uh, the the Pistons team when they had Jordan rules? That that whole that came that came right after I left. Uh, okay, I, actually, I was in Chicago. You know, I got traded from Detroit to Chicago, mm -hmm. so they they put the Jordan rules in, and uh, you know, what, that, that, what, what did Mike think about that? Well, he he got in the weight room. You know, uh -huh. I mean, Mike wasn't lifting. You know, he got with his trainer. He knew he had to get stronger. He had to get physical. And what they was doing, they was putting him on his ass when he came to the basket. You know, physicality became different for him. And he knew for him to be to hold up and have something left in the fourth quarter that he had to get stronger. You know, you know, Michael was a competitor. So whatever they did, he was going to find a way uh, to challenge whatever they were going to try to do to him. If you were playing in the game today, Earl, how much money would you command? Oh, my God. Come on, man. <laughs> the way they paid us. Come on. I, you know, so I, I'll take that right now. I, you know, I'd at least be making at least five million dollars a year right now. 
compared to that's that. It. Compared that's to that, it, Earl, five compared billion. To that, at least four or five. The way they paying these guys, I see guys on the bench with the same. Come on, Earl, man. That's what I'm talking about. If yeah, I, I was coming off the day, bench. I was in seventh and eighth. Yeah, in Detroit's rotation, I was a playoff team in Detroit. And Detroit dead last right now. They just traded a guy for twelve million. You know, yeah, <laughs> make a twelve. You know, he, he they just got rid of him. He was coming off the bench for him. But if, if I had a role on on the team, well, I had a playoff team here for three years when I was in Detroit. So yeah, I definitely would have been making you know at least you know four or five million dollars a year easy. Bro, you know? oh, you sell yourself short, man. I, I would have been commanding fifteen, sixteen million. Well, I'm being I'm being nice about it, but I'm just don't saying, be nice you know, about it, Earl. They ain't nice about it. Take that it money. It could be it could be more, but you know, I'm just saying, you know, God, you know, can you know. Compared to what we got, you know, but uh, hey, it is what it is, you know. Hey, Earl, what do you have going on now? I know you wrote a book, uh, mm -hmm. but and first of all, it's called The Twirl. Tell us how you got that nickname and then go into your book a little bit. <laughs> the nickname came from Dick Vitale. You know, Vitale named all his players, you know, when John Long was, you know, was, was, was lightning and Tyler was thunder. And when I came in, he gave me the name Earl The Twirl. You know, I did all kind of stuff around the basket, dunking people different ways. So he stuck the twirl on me and it stuck, man, uh, you know. But my life turned out to be the twirl. You know, you read this book, you'll see so many twists and turns and different things happen. Something actually happened every year uh, in my whole career. I, I ended up playing 15 years of basketball and uh, something every year was different. You know, uh, I even spent the time with Bob McAdoo over in Italy. You know, I went over there, had a season with Bob, which was great. That was educational for me being, being with the McAdoo. So, but uh, yeah, you know that that uh that's where the nickname came from. Uh, uh, if I read this book, what would I get out of the book? Well, that, I think that, this this book is good for the average person. I mean, especially for young guys coming up. You know, you get your magics, and you know, and you and you can understand this. Um, it tells the average guy that you know you got a chance if you work hard and apply yourself and do everything you need to do. That opportunity is going to be there for you. Uh, you know, my career was based on on, on hard work and, and and sticking to it and and being consistent and perseverance. Uh, you know, talking about the non guarantees, I didn't hold back. Uh, you know, I didn't have no ego or nothing like that. And this, but I talked about being waived and you know, about clawing, about coming in the league with uh, non guaranteed contracts for three years and fighting for my life, trying to stay on a roster and you know all those type of things. But but sticking, you know, sticking to it though. And uh, the story is realistic. Having the growth spurt. Having five coaches in five years in uh, you know, in college. Each year I had a different coach, then complained, then moan, found a way to to play for all of them, find a way to survive the game, you know. And uh I think a young fella read it, they can understand, you know, what that's all about. And a lot of guys that played uh that was in the similar positions that I was in, uh, you know, you raise your level to a higher level. Like you said, you were a third-round pick, and I'm sure you had your battles in your first couple of years in the league as well that you had to go through until you established yourself. But this book gives you a viewpoint of what a role player had to go through and how hard it is, you know. And I told him, I said, I wanted to name the book You Ain't Shit because that's what I used to hear all the time, <laughs> you know, because I was coming off the bench only getting four or five points a game. I come back to Detroit, they're like, man, you ain't shit, man, you know. <laughs> hey, that must have been, uh, uh, what, what was his name, uh, uh, the barber? Leon. Uh, Leon, Leon yeah. the Barber, he must have been saying that. Yeah, all, all them cats will tell you that. I'm like, man, hold up, man. There's only 257 guys in the world playing this game. I'm one of them. You ain't nowhere near it, but you're telling me I ain't shit? I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> and Earl, in the book, do you talk a little bit about your life overseas, whether, not just playing, but living over there? 
Yeah, I talk a little bit about, you know, I was with Mike D'Antoni and, uh, you know, Dino Minigin. And you know, I left, I actually left Philadelphia after the championship series and went to Italy. Uh, I did that. And I talk about the right of first refusal. You remember that rule that we had. And my reason for leaving is because you couldn't negotiate. Even though your contract was up, you know, they still had the rights to you. You know, so my reason for leaving the first time was to go over there and try to get rid of it, get away from that rule. Because nobody was going to sign me. You know, I had my little stunt against the Lakers and a little playing time, but they they wanted a first or second round draft pick, and nobody was going to get that up and pay me too. So I had to yeah. get away from that. But I went over there the first time, and Mike D'Antoni, and I talk a little bit about the lifestyle, how D'Antoni took care of me when he was a player uh, over there as an American player. Uh, the second time I went back, it was with, you know, with McAdoo, uh, and Mike D'Antoni was uh, nationalized. And also Dino Minigin, uh was a Hall of Famer over there too. Just the great players, you know. All, everywhere I went, I, I had some great players on my team uh, that I played with. The twirl, my life in basketball. Is that it, right? That's it. That's right. Barnes uh, and where, Noble. Where, where, where Amazon. can I get it? Where can they find the book? Oh, at Barnes and Noble. You can you can go to Barnes and Noble. Uh, you can order it from there. Uh, they got links for it on on Amazon as well. Uh, but I, I mean, I think it's a great read. I mean, you you got to get a copy of it and check it out yourself because there's some great stuff in there. Yeah, look look at the guys I played with. I know you stayed with the Lakers. You know you you was there all your whole career. But you know I got you know it, it was bad being moving around with all those teams you name. But look at the guys, Elijah Wan. You know I won two championships. I had one with Elijah Wan in '94. You know I played with Michael Jordan. I played with Isaiah Thomas. I played with Dr. J. You know I Man. played with Muggsy Bogues. I, you know. And Muggsy told me about your little trip to y'all had together today. Hey, I talk. love Muggs. Muggsy. Yeah. yeah, I told him. I, said, <laughs> I love Muggsy. Bro. Yeah, we talked. Muggs said he had a great time with you. I said, I said, Muggs, I said, he going to dance now. I said, you want to I said, he'll dance all night long now. So, but Coop, well, you are the hardest working guy, man. You a hard working guy, man. I mean, I'm just, you know. I mean, I try to do a lot of things. I'm ambassador for the community for Detroit. I, I coached in the WNBA, but you don't took this thing to a whole nother level, man. And hey, after bro, basketball, know. if you don't get in the Hall of Fame for basketball, you should be in there for your life after basketball. <laughs> Every time I look up the big three, man, you coaching in the big three, WNBA, championships, I mean, college, <laughs> you know, you on television down there on Channel 7 doing NBA games. You got a podcast. You, you was at Chippendales too, right? Then you. <laughs> I've got a lot, Earl. <laughs> you know, you don't done a lot. And you're in a strong marriage now, you know, because, you know, I knew about that. I remember when the marriage first started. You know, I remember you talking about it and you was pissed off and you going strong with it now, you know. And I know how you keeping it going too, boy. I know you know how to keep one going. Like my grandfather used to say, you can rest when you die. Yeah. <laughs> while you while you, you upright, you got to keep it moving. Earl no, that's incredible, man. I'm proud of you and what you're doing, man. I, You know, you deserve the Hall of Fame nod. They don't give you, you know, you talk about people not getting the credit. Look at the assignments you had to draw every night, man. Every time you had a tough guy, they talk about Magic and Kareem, but don't Coop got to go out and guard Bird. You know, you got to go out and guard the tough. You got to get Michael. You got to get Ice. You know, that's your assignment every night. How you sleep at night when you got to guard them guys every night, you know? <laughs> so... You know, but uh, no, you deserve what's coming to you, man. You keep it going. You keep working and keep doing what you're doing, man, because uh, I'm watching you, but it's hard to keep up. Thank you, Earl. And there you have it, another edition. And Earl Kirtley, man, I'm telling you, we're going to have to hook up when you come out here to L.A., man. When you <laughs> uh, get no question. You know, I'm looking forward. You know, I talk to you, man, Mr. Big. I talk to him all the time. 
Norm Nixon. <laughs> Norm Nixon. <laughs> Don't get it. Earl, thank you, my brother. Take care, man, anytime. And uh, I'm going to get me a copy of that book, and maybe we'll have you on again in a couple of months, and we can talk about the book a little bit more in depth. Right. I got to sell a million copies, man. I got to make some money, man. Okay. <laughs> Don't we all? Love you, Earl. Thanks, baby. All right. Take care, Take care. Man. All right.